0: This talk is brought to you by iBiology.org, and this audio was taken from a video available on our website. Hello, my name is Nalidi Saul, and I'm the Director of the Office of Career and Professional Development at the University of California, San Francisco. This session is to help you write an effective CV. One of the things that happens when students find out that they have to write a CV is it ends up being an anxiety-provoking experience because one of the first things they do is they look online for CV samples. In doing so, they get a full range of all the skills and experiences that they see some of their colleagues have had, and some of their friends have had, and even strangers, and they start to wonder whether or not they actually have anything to put on paper. So, one of the best solutions i found to this is to basically talk to you a little bit about how a career counselor puts together a CV. Career counselors basically put together CVs in three steps. First, we pick headings. Second, we then look at the descriptive text and fill it out. And then three, we focus on final formatting. So, let's actually go through each of those steps to help you figure out how to write your strongest CV. To understand why we start with the headings, it helps to take half a step back and have a conversation about how this entire hiring process unfolds from the person who's trying to potentially bring someone to their lab or their organization. You should know that anytime you apply for a job or a postdoc opportunity or any opportunity, you and all the other candidates will have three things you'll have certain academic training, you'll have certain professional skills, and you'll have a certain reason why you want this opportunity. No one quality about you separates you from other candidates, but collectively, nobody else has your same combination of superpowers, um, including whatever your particular degree is, um, your unique combination of professional skills, and also your unique reason for actually moving in that direction or developing that skill set. And so CVs and cover letters were designed to basically mine for that data, CVs cover the first two points, your academic training and your professional skills. It's why it starts with the section of education and then it goes into your research experience, your teaching experience, your leadership and service. But, but in general, it basically gives an entire sort of arc of your professional development as a scientist. What it doesn't cover is your interest, both why you did what you did and why you're interested in whatever the opportunity is. And that is why cover letters were invented. Collectively, the person reading your application materials will get a full picture of not just who you are and what you've done, but why you've done it. So let's drill down into the CV to really unpack a little bit about the format. This is useful because what we find is, is that a number of students, as they're looking online, they're actually trying to first get a sense of like, what is the skeleton of a CV? One of my goals is that you are able to look at other people's documents and understand the logic behind them. The thing that you need to recognize about the CV is it's designed to actually tell the first two parts of the story in a particular way. Your section headings, including your education section, if there's relevant training section, are usually the things that come first, sort of the theoretical lens, which is shaped sort of what work you do and the way that you do it. And then it breaks down in terms of how you've developed as a scientist. So there's you in terms of your research experience, as I've said before, you in terms of your teaching experience, and you in terms of leadership and service, and then any other experience you have, project management, consulting, anything else. The third part is actually the outcomes, so because you've done all of that training and you've done all of those professional experiences, you have the right to belong to this professional association, you have the ability to do these techniques, you have this presentation record, you have this publication record. The point is, is that the bottom of the CV usually focuses on your productivity. There will be samples below in the resources section to give you a sample of potential headings for you to start to prepare your document. So that's the first step. But usually, the second step that students really struggle with is how much information to include in descriptive text. Because earlier they might have felt that they didn't do a lot in their careers, or you may feel you haven't done a lot in your career, you may be tempted to put everything about who you are and what you did and where you didn't and every single activity into a descriptive text. Instead, we encourage students and postdocs to really think about just three things your breadth, your depth, and your impact. So when you're writing about a research experience, focus on highlighting the name of the project that you worked on or projects that you were involved in. Then secondly, focus on the range of responsibilities that you engaged in, such as what did you synthesize? What did you analyze? What did you design? Who did you mentor? And then focus on the outcomes, such as what did you achieve? What did you solve? What did you discover? What did you initiate, build, or publish? These three touch points will help anyone reading your document to get a full sense of your development and what you're able to do. Once again, in the resources section, there will be a sample description that's dissected and color coded to give you a better sense of what a typical research experience would look like. Once you've done those two first steps, once you've picked your headings and once you've written your descriptive text, the final step is actually looking at the formatting. The general goal with formatting is really thinking about whether or not it's easy for someone to read. The way to figure this out best is truly to basically make sure that somebody else reads your document at the end. But there are some general guidelines that you'll see when you're looking at all of the different samples that you might have access to. The thing you should know is that your document will probably be between, I would say, one and three pages on average. If it's longer than that, it's usually because you are telling me about your incredible range of publications. Um, your margins are usually between 0.5 and 0.75 inches. Your font size is usually between 10 and 12 font, just really making it readable. But what's most useful to understand is that you're not just looking at the at the text, you're basically trying to make sure that the headings are at least one or two font sizes larger so a person can easily skim down your headings and fully understand your range of experiences. Try to use fonts that are familiar that are sort of well-established. Unusual fonts are sometimes a little bit more complicated to read. In the end, you can also really think about, when you're looking at your document, what is the most important information and then intentionally choose to bold or highlight that in some way. That's the bolding, capitalization, underlining, and using bullet points. Finally, number every single page and put your name on it. That way, when a person reads your document, they'll be able to unclip it and look at all three pages or two pages or however long it is, and then be sure that they have it in the right order and be able to put it together again. So those are some general strategies about actually preparing a document. So now let's actually talk about the final part, which is the cover letter. So when people think about cover letters, they usually ask the first question, do people read cover letters? And the answer is yes, sometimes. But the useful question isn't, do people read cover letters? It's when people read cover letters, what is it that they're looking for? What do they need the cover letter to do? As we talked about before, cover letters cover that third part of of who you are as a candidate. It covers your interest, both what you've done and why you're interested in their opportunity. You should know that, actually, whoever's looking at your material will probably first look at your CV, no matter how fantastic your cover letter is. They'll, they'll probably skim it first and get a sense of you as a candidate. But there are times when people actually either don't fully understand your range of experience or your interest where they'll then look at the cover letter to actually explain it to them. So next, let's drill down into what should be in the cover letter um, that actually explains a little bit about your interests. When you think about writing your cover letter, think about how familiar your audience is going to be with your skills and experiences. This is relevant when you start to think about different postdoc opportunities. When looking at a postdoc opportunity that you think is going to be a continuation of your work... You probably could get away with not including a very detailed cover letter, but simply summarizing your interest in the position. But if you're pivoting, if you're actually moving into a new field or area, if it's very likely that the PI will not be familiar with what your work has been or be able to naturally connect why you are interested in their lab, a cover letter can actually help sort of clarify for them why you are a strong and an interesting candidate. When talking about a cover letter, you're usually including a document that's between one and three paragraphs long. And the main thing that's really helpful to to drill down into is a summary statement about yourself um, and what lab you come out of, what your degree is, and also a statement that you are interested in this position. That's usually your first paragraph. Your second paragraph actually explains a little bit about your research and also starts to talk a little bit about, particularly if you are pivoting, what your interest is and why you feel that you're a good fit for the lab. This is the time that you would actually talk a little bit about the fact that you've read their papers or that there's something engaging about their work. You would close your letter by really drilling into both that you feel that you have something novel or interesting or exciting that you want to work on and that you'd like the chance to talk with them further. You can see in the resources section a sample of a document, but it's also a good idea to sometimes just go online and type the word postdoc cover letter samples because many career centers will actually have samples for you. So that's the overview of how you write a CV and a cover letter. Next, we'll talk about interviewing. Visit us at iBiology.org for more free talks from the world's top scientists. Funding is provided by the National Science Foundation and the National Institute of General Medical Sciences.